Happy second episode of the Reconnect Your Teenager podcast with yours truly, Emma G. Uh, if you do not know who I am, greetings. Uh, I am originally from New Zealand, now living in Washington, D.C., and doing all kinds of musical fun, including using music as a tool to help you reconnect with your teenager and teenagers reconnect with themselves using the power of songwriting and music. However, it does not stop there. No, 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 my friends, because together I believe we really do achieve more. So I am pleased as punch to introduce, bring to the stage, put your hands together for the Faycocks all the way from near London, <laughs> uh, who is one of those fantastic human beings that really uses her platform to elevate um, teenagers' confidence and help parents to also uh, assist and guide their teenagers as they are stepping into themselves as whole human beings, not just children. So Faith, greetings. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. <laughs> Fantastic. You also, you also. Yes. So tell me a, bit, a little bit about yourself. I know that you like your elevator pitch on your website is fantastic. You say where well-being leads to well-doing. Uh, you find information about adults and teenagers to build confidence, increase self-esteem and resilience, whilst also reducing stress and anxiety. Now, obviously for myself, I utilize music to do those things because you know, they help to elevate oxytocin and dopamine and decrease cortisol. But you, my friend, have a very different approach. So please tell us about where, like, what got you involved in youth work and why confidence and how that all came about for you personally. Well, um, I'm a mother of, I have two girls, um, two preteen girls, actually, and one who's only got one more year until she actually hits those teenage, that teenage stage. Um, I also have a stepson who, believe it or not, scares me to even mention is 20 this year. So um, I'm well equipped in this area. Um, I've also worked with young people for quite some time, very intensely um, at a local college um, where I uh, live. And a lot of the students that I've been working with are either disengaging from mainstream school, have disengaged from mainstream school for one reason or another. Generally, there are some behavioral issues, um, but also I work with a lot of young people who have um, ADHD, which we're seeing more and more of, um, which also comes along with all its friends, you know, like ODD and um, a lot of dyslexia. So these are some of the reasons why they're disengaging. But and that's one of the reasons why I got more involved in um, privately working with young people and their families. Because what we were finding and a lot of what I was hearing um, from parents was that they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to connect with their child anymore. Um, and they were finding that very difficult. And one of the messages I was also getting from the young people was that actually mum and dad weren't around so much. They didn't really know how to speak to them there. And one of the things they were all saying to me is that they're on their own a lot. Um, and, and I think as parents, we think that our children need us less as they enter adolescence when in fact they need us just as much but in a different way and in fact some of some of them actually need us a little bit more 
I, I love that you're doing that work, especially considering how, you know, I, to your point, we we do, we need support for our kids more than ever. But it, I think in some ways it's even been exacerbated because of the advent of social media and technology being, you know, people always make jokes about being a, lo- a, a latchkey kid back in the 80s and 90s, and that's totally fine. Um, you know, they've grown up to be, well-adjusted human beings by and large. However, you know, the latchkey kid now has television and social media really in front of them all the time. Um, And I'm I'm interested to know how that has impacted your work specifically over the years. Well, what we're finding a lot more of is that young people are on their screens a lot more but what we also have to remember as adults is and this is one of my favorite sayings is we need to model the behavior we want to see from our young people what we can't spend our time all the time on social media we have to model (laughs) shoot okay we're sat there doing that with our faces and our phones which we're something we're all so guilty of it when we as parents we need to become more mindful of some of our own habits that we're passing on down to obviously down to our children that actually we're not even conscious of. So we're telling them, and and one of the things that I used to get told as a a child, which I, I never really understood and I still don't get it now is don't do as I do, do as I tell you. I mean, what is that all about? fine brilliant no because actually as children and particularly as younger children we mirror so they learn they do what we do not what we say Mm -hmm. absolutely Um, and when they come into adolescence as well they are watching in fact they watch you like a hawk they're watching everything that you're doing and they're still taking in and taking on board all of your good habits but also all of your not so good habits so as parents, we also we need to be very careful and mindful and work on some of those things and work on ourselves mm-hmm. and think to ourselves, actually, how do we want to be perceived by our by our young people? Absolutely. Um, and, the, and we have to have a big shift as well, which comes from not that kind of dictatorship parenting style. So we have to actually learn, and for some, for some of us, it's quite difficult because of our the way we were parented ourselves. Mm-hmm. Is actually the one of the biggest things that I learned to do, actually, when I walked into a room of young people, because they do trigger us. We have to, you know, as adults, they they trigger us. They they trigger a lot of our own um, adolescence, and not always in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to learn to communicate, not dictate. And that was a massive shift for me with working with young people. And that's a conversation that I have, that I also have with with parents now. And it does make a difference, but it can be quite uncomfortable for us as adults to to change our own mindset and, and our own parenting style. I love that. So let's reel this back a little bit because I'm curious, your your approach is very different to a lot of parents or a lot of therapists, I should say, therapists, youth workers, youth coaches, et cetera, and that you really take a step back and address the parents individually as well as 
the teenagers individually. What, you know, if, if, if a parent walked in right now, what would be the, the top three things you would, um, or maybe two things, if, if you don't want to go too, too far into it, but, you know, the, the elevator pitch, what would be the one thing you would say to a parent like, hey, this is one of the most valuable adjustments you can make with your teenagers when it comes to navigating 2023? And then similarly, what would be one thing that you would navigate with for the teenager? Uh, the parent one is very easy. It's something I've had to do um, myself again, working with uh, with young people and having young people see in my own home. And that is that you have to leave your ego at the door. Um, I tried to lead with my ego when I first started working with young people. And actually, I got this wrong with my own stepsons because I still did that ego led sort of style of parenting and that kind of still dictating you will, you will, you will. And we totally disconnected. Um, and this happened with the young people that I was working with um, at the college to start off with. So it was a huge learning curve for me. But I learn a lot of stuff very quickly, which now means that I can connect with young people really, really, in fact, surprisingly quickly. Because our young people, the big, the two biggest things that our young people want from us is to feel seen and to feel heard. So leave your ego at the door and shift that um, that mindset. I love that. I love that. Okay. And for, for teenagers, the same thing? For teenagers, there is that ego. But asking a teenager to leave their ego <laughs> at the door is a much harder job because yes. obviously there's some parts they just think they don't quite understand where that ego comes from. And we all know, obviously, um, it, with brain development, with, they still live very much in their emotional mind at that age. So to expect them to come to us with um an adult brain is unrealistic we can't do that because they don't have an adult brain we're we're the adults and we have to meet them where they are not expect them to come up and meet us where we are for sure. so for young people it's really about finding out who they are so where their values and beliefs come from um so having a look at earlier because what the thing that happens is we get into like our 30s and our 40s and we all go oh what's the meaning of life where what who am I what's I think let's not do that when we get to our 30s and 40s and that's one of the reasons why I do what I do but hang on let's let's give young people that opportunity and ask yourself as a young people not the question that everybody asks which is what do you want to do because let's face it, a lot of us at that age, we don't know what we wanted to do. I didn't have a clue. I've met many 50-year-olds who don't know what they want Just, to do. So there we go. <laughs> you, can change career, you can change pathway through your life as many times as you yeah. want. Honestly, there's not one way. There's not two ways. You can change your pathway. If we have to find out you know, the things that really make us tick as a person in mm. like inside of us. And as young people, they do have that. It's just that a lot of the time it's suppressed by um, maths, English, science and the whole education side of it. But I've seen so many young people thrive once they come out of education and go out into the big wide world and actually follow their own path rather than a path that somebody else wants them 
the wants them to take so yeah one of my favorite sayings is that adulthood is when is the process of teaching creativity out of the young person and I think that's a really to your point you know we're, we're often asking young people to um regurgitate information and memorize stats and memorize facts and you know whatever without acknowledging the whole person um you know given that we are now i think the pandemic hopefully has taught so many of us about the the importance of valuing the whole human mm, the mental yeah. the spiritual the physical the emotional and the social when it comes to your um coaching of both parents and teenagers is that like a, a together in the same room type thing that encapsulates all of those facets of self or are you really focusing on parents this is how we can show up and then teenagers this is how you can show up to you know become a, a whole yeah more version of yourself well the first thing that I do which is actually my favorite thing to do um and it's called a family audit so and this is a human givens approach um that I learned and and studied um a few years ago actually and it's about working out the physical and emotional needs of everybody in the family everybody who lives within one household so in this we discover, and the, one of the biggest things that we do discover is that no one feels heard or seen enough. So some of those emotional needs will be the need for more control. I don't like the word control, so I use autonomy, particularly mm -hmm. for our young people. Um, <clears throat> the need to be heard, both parents and young people. Uh, the need to be seen but also the need for privacy again for our young people is quite high so we have this we have this one session where we all sit together and we look at what everybody's needs are and we discuss how we can then get all everybody's needs met in a balanced and healthy way and actually how some of those needs are being met in an unhealthy way so that we can then address that so it's more balanced and then what i do is i then see um the young person individually uh, and parents individually. So I give them, they have a couple of sessions individually. And then at the end, I bring them all back together. And then we look at what we've learned and then we discuss what's happened in these individual sessions so that we can completely reconnect them as a unit. I love that. You make that sound so quick though. Like it's... You a couple of sessions at the beginning, a couple of sessions in the middle, a couple of evaluation sessions. Is a typical, you know, working with you, is that a typical eight to 10 week process or how does that work? Because I, one of the things that I love that is almost detrimental to my career about youth work is that the aim is to eventually work yourself out of the job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, by giving these young people the tools and um, the know how and the constructive thought processes to help themselves help themselves um, out of out of sticky situations. Mm. What, what what does that turnaround time look like for you? That turnaround time is yeah, it's between about uh, 10 and 12 weeks because there may be things that come up 
um, as and when things are happening, you know, in that moment, in those sessions that maybe we might need to spend a little bit more time on. So for um, example, I was working with a family um, and because I work with a lot of young people with ADHD, I have an ADHD radar. So right. it's kind of some of those um, you know, that things that might be happening at school, like with their executive function, tidiness, self-regulation, all those kinds of, you know, all those kinds of things. I can spot them quite easily. So it may be then, obviously, we have that conversation and we have that conversation with parents about has anybody at school said anything to you? Maybe then they go off and they may then get an assessment and in actual fact, the young girl did have um, ADHD. So then... I tailored some of my coaching with her to help her with some of that executive function and self-regulation. So that kind of a lot comes out. But those family needs audits, so much comes out in those sessions that I can just pick and go, right, okay, got that. Yeah, picked up on that, picked up on that. Mm. Um, Language. So, I mean, I pick up so much on the language that people use when they're talking about each other or or situations. So um, I can get to the the root cause pretty quickly. I want to pick on the language thing for a minute because I am sure, my, like most educators and youth workers, that you have seen a significant shift in young people shying away from conversation. Um, and so I, I feel like a lot of young people, uh, you know, tend to opt towards texting and Snapchat and all that fun stuff um, in replace of having like a face-to-face conversation. Do you often find that your your uh, clients want to text with you in order to, you know, find that languaging or how are they showing up with regards to expressing themselves wholly, honestly and competently in those difficult conversations? Yeah, well, um, with parents, obviously, um, I always speak obviously to the to the parents first that, that's who I tend to have obviously um, my first initial calls and conversations with and then because I see them as a family I've already sort of met and started to build the relationship with the young person as well so generally they're quite forthcoming after that because of the evidence of what they've seen um, in the session that we've done as a family but in general um, yeah, texting, messaging. So with the students that I work with at my uh, local college, if I need to speak to them about anything, um, I'll drop them a quick text message. And nine times out of 10, they come straight back to me because they know it's me. Um, but if you ring them, even though they know it's me, they don't necessarily want to talk. They might be somewhere where they can't talk or they're not as comfortable talking. So our young people are definitely more comfortable with um unfortunately hiding behind say uh whatsapp snapchat um instagram messages so they do find that a lot more of a comfortable way to communicate but i think unfortunately we need to re-educate young people in how to communicate effectively because when they're put in situations where they're in front of people and obviously when they go out into the to the big wide world, they're going to need to learn how to do that. And I think we are responsible for helping them to do that before they get there, even though they live in this digital world. The digital world isn't going anywhere, but we still need effective communication for anybody. I mean, even for them at school, for them to learn how to effectively communicate with 
their peers, with um, with teachers, with you know senior leadership teams, with people who come in and out of school. We still all need this as as society. It's all part of connection and community, mm-hmm. which are part of our you know emotional needs as well. So we do communication is it, yeah it is a is a big thing, and it's something that I um, talk to our students at the college about a lot I actually do sessions on that about right okay body language I mean and how body language tells you so much absolutely their body language and you're just like what's your body what's your body telling me yeah. right now in in this conference you, you haven't said a word yet you don't need to because I can see straight away yeah no I, I love that I, I found um back when I used to teach at a university in particular that one of the most um effective ways of my for my students to come out from behind the texting and the the snapchat and whatsapp and things although whatsapp isn't a big thing in new zealand but definitely is across the us um one of the things that they that i found was when they were able to wrap their conversations and their thoughts suddenly they're using vocabulary and and expressing themselves in ways that you could not imagine mm-hmm. um and I, I i credit like the likes of kendrick lamar and billy eilish a lot because you know being able to to lead with with such a wide variety of um verbiage in their in their music is very you know it's just it's had a huge impact on how i think a lot of young people communicate with and and um both within themselves but also with their parents and so forth with um with the body language component, however, I'm curious, is there like is there like a, a mind hack or a life hack that you are sort of trying to incorporate with your young people so that they can start to feel more comfortable to show up authentically and honestly? Well, for me, again, I think there's a lot for me uh, personally is to actually model it for them. So obviously, oh, I, I have a lot of empathy. Um, and empathy is a massive thing when we're dealing with um, with young people because they can sniff out mm-hmm. fakeness <laughs> like a sniffer dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if an adult is not being genuine, if you're not being genuine with them, if they're not, they can tell straight away and they will disengage from you very, very quickly. And to engage a young person, for them to disengage on you quite quickly, for you to then re-engage that young person, you've got, you've got a more of a fight on your hands so it's really important for me when I that I have open body language um, and I use empathetic language with them in order to build that rapport and relationship and I believe that that's one of the reasons why I can now build those relationships really quickly because there's no there's no judgment I see them for who they are where they are before so I see I see the person so I always say you know don't shoot the messenger. So any behavior is a message. And for a young person underneath that message is someone who needs some support. There is a need that isn't being met. Um, but one of the things I'm always able to do is I always see the person underneath the behavior. 
That's a superpower because a lot of people can't, can't do that. That's <laughs> now, amazing. I never realized that it was. I used to think absolutely <laughs> everybody can do this, but it transpires that, no, not everybody can. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I, I started my career in, in the States as a street performer, and one of the things that people often would say to me was like, oh, you see people. And I was mm. like, is this like the sixth sense? But no, for real. Yeah. Like that, That's incredible, Faye, to be able to really see the layers beneath beneath the surface and, and really speak to those pain points and is using, so important. And using the music thing, actually, um, there was a, a young lad that I was um, working with. Um, he was at a point where he was he totally disengaged in school. His, um, his social circles, shall we say, were not healthy in, in, in any way. Um, he was heading down um, a path that could have led him somewhere the unthinkable Let, let's right. let's just put it there um and I was having a conversation with him one day he'd been sent out he'd had you know he'd had a blow up so um I was having a conversation with him and I asked him the question who do you want to be so when you leave educate who do you want to be and he started saying to me oh well so-and-so says so I went oh hang on a minute I went whoa 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 you get to choose <laughs> yes. who you want to be yeah. And went, oh, I don't think no one's ever asked me that question before. I went, no, because everybody asks you, what do you want to do? Oh. But then he started telling me all these things. And I went, okay. I went, so the person you've just told me that you you want to be, by being the person you still are now, by doing the things that you're still doing now, the behaviors that, that, that you're showing, the choices that you're making, are they going to get you to being that person that you want to be? And he was sort of like, no. And I said to him, what do you enjoy doing? What what do you find really helps you? When you're when that anger comes and you feel, how can you how do you express yourself? I said, Do you like music? He said, Yes. So I said, What kind of music do you like? So he was like, you know, all that, all the rap music. I said, Is there anywhere you could go and record something and just write and rap out everything that you feel? Mm-hmm. When actually there is. And he went and wrote. And I'll tell you what, he's got a talent. I, he came back to me and he went, um, do you want to hear the song that that I recorded? I went, yeah, not my kind of music, but I have to say it was, it was brilliant. I was blown away. I went, mm-hmm. honestly, there is, I went, and that, you went, yeah, I find music's very, so, so I think music has such an important part to play for all of us. Mm-hmm. But I think particularly for young people, because that's how they first start to make sense of a lot of themselves is the kind of music that they have and then obviously they attract the same kinds of people who like that so they have a familiarity so they build a community around around music as well and it is a way of them being able to express themselves without getting told off express themselves without someone going oh no you can't do that just just let it out yeah yeah it's it's one of those things I, I often you know I have conversations with people I, I'm I'm a little bit unorthodox when I am when I meet new people. One of the first questions I often ask them is like, "What's your theme song?" And quite often, you know, people, we skip back to our teenage selves and think about, "Oh, Pat Benatar or White Snake or The Eagles or Metallica or whatever." I'm giving away my my preferred genres here, but um, <laughs> but you know, when we think about those those theme songs that we had as teenagers, um, and then sort of skip back to to present day. Who, who our young Generation Z people are now. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm really passionate about is 
writing that that song for themselves, writing that story for themselves, which brings me to your book. You've recently come out with your first book. When did this uh-huh. come out? Yeah. Making Sense of Me, yes. My book came it. out in October, actually. Fantastic. Um, and this book is it's a book to my younger self. So working with young people and to actually stop them from triggering me every time I I got into a group or, you know, or into a room with something particularly, I had to start going, okay, that triggers me, but why? Why is that? So I had to go back to my own teenage years and I had to heal quite a lot of my teenage years. Um, and that all got put into this book. So this book has been written specifically for teenage girls. Um, and people ask me why it's for teenage girls. Well, I was a teenage girl once. So there's a lot of stuff in this book that will also help um, young lads as well. But I could only write it from uh, a girl's perspective, obviously, having been a girl myself. Um, (laughs) For sure, for sure. (laughs) That's awesome. And you mentioned before we we went live that this is the, the kind of book that is both for you kind of you want the parents to read it first before then working with their teenagers what why why is that what's the what's the thinking behind well, that process? the reason for that is because like I had to myself is there are certain things that they may find in their young person quite triggering from mm-hmm. maybe from their own younger or from how they 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 you know the parenting style that their own parents had mm-hmm. so actually by reading this book it's actually helping parents to make a little bit more sense of themselves Mm-hmm. whilst also opening up some of those really icky, tricky, cringy, uncomfortable conversations, um, obviously with their young people, yeah. that they may not know how to kind of navigate or approach. Mm-hmm. Whereas my book is, it's a, it's a teenage girl's guide to navigating the world, navigating the, you know, the modern world. So I talk about um, self-harm, uh, social media, um our own values beliefs and behaviors you know how the mind how their mind works so it's all that in a background how to look after their well-being I talk about relationships the complicatedness of female friendships (laughs) what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) of my own navigating to different friendships groups one of you know one of my girls she'll um she's into football hangs around you know with a a group of girls who are also into football but also the lads my youngest who loves um makeup and fashion and has a group of of girls who are a little bit more um how do we say it's a bit of a stressy relationship it's that typical very very typical girl kind of yeah. She said something and I'm not, we're not talking now and all that. So all, right. all that kind of stuff. But we talk about that um, in the book. But I also talk about the relationship that they have with themselves because the relationship they have with themselves is the number one relationship they will ever have. Amen. <laughs> Say it louder for the people in the <laughs> and that. And that's absolutely right that it's for boys in that regard as well because, yeah. Yeah. you know, self and everything. Get there while they're young so that they yeah. don't then have to go and unpick it when they're in their 30s and their 40s. Right, right. What is self-loving in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. So that, that book is available on Amazon. 
It is. Um, and do you, I mean, you're based in the UK, near London. Yeah. Um, do you also do coaching virtually as well as in person? I do, yes, yes. So obviously I do I do face-to-face, -face, but um, the what I suppose one of the things we can thank COVID for, I guess, is um, the fact that more and more people are now able to do things on, that people are more comfortable with mm -hmm. um, conducting and also receiving coaching and uh, know how to use all the tech. <laughs> that's involved in uh, in our yeah, online world these days. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> we're learning. We're learning. We get by. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's one of the things that I that I uh, particularly loved about COVID, if you will, is it it brought me to the um the the concept. Apparently, in um in Mandarin Chinese language, the word crisis is represented by two characters when written out. The first character is for danger and the second is for opportunity. And I think to that point, you're you're mm -hmm. completely correct. Like it's we can stay fo so focused in life, not just through a pandemic, but in life in general, on the things that you know are dangerous, or we could look at for look for the silver linings, look for those ways to navigate those relationships and those communication breakdowns and the social media pitfalls and and um, you know ways to to connect and things. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Faye. I really really appreciate your time. Is there anything else that you would like people to hear, to know, to to learn while we have this space? Uh, no, just really. Look, we touched on at the beginning is obviously that I am a strong believer in that in order for our young people to do well we need them to be well um and i think that's really and i see that all the time and mm -hmm. how we can help our young people to be well is actually to have a think about their needs and 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 wants really as well as our and as well as our own and also communication just communi communicate, keep the line of communication open, touch points if they're finding it a bit difficult because the teen, you know, the young person's in their bedroom and things all the time. You'll be, you'll be really surprised how much those little things actually mean the world to your, to your young person without them realising. They're not going to, a lot of the time they're not going to say it to you, but honestly, it, it's, it's those things in life, isn't it? It's the little things that really make a big difference. Yeah, show up and talk the talk, but also walk the walk. Walk the walk, yes. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit harder for us all. <laughs> and leave your ego at the door. I love, leave I your love ego. it. I love yeah, it. that's the one thing anyone takes away. Like, <laughs> and takes away from is, and, and actually when I first did it, I actually had to visualise myself doing it and go, right, I'm walking into a room. There's, I've got to take that out. I need to leave mm. that here. Because mm. if I take it in with me, I've lost already. Yeah. Ego is a funny thing, though. I, I know that, um, you know, there's a lot of of uh, conflicting thoughts on ego. But I think mm. I think it, it, has, it's, it has its place. It's it's there to, to serve a, a purpose. Absolutely. But unfortunately, we take it everywhere with us. And it mm. always steps forward first, even when we don't need it to. Yeah. I think I think Deepak Chopra said something about ego is is the the, the part of yourself that looks when you step outside of yourself and look at why you're thinking the thoughts and why you're thinking doing the things that that's part of the ego process and understanding your ego and dismantling that ego so i love that 
Thank you so much, Faye. Um, like I said, you know, like we said, rather, your, your new book is out now on Amazon, Making Sense of Me. Super pumped. If you're listening to this podcast, please go and grab yourself a copy. Um, read it first before you <laughs> give it to your teenager um, so that you can make sure that you can guide them through their healing journey and um, you know, navigating that communication and connection uh, as we all want to be doing during the crazy time of adolescence and puberty, because let's be real, it's yes. it's a wild, wild time. It's, it's uh, a wild time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it doesn't last forever. <laughs> and in some ways, that's a good thing, and in some ways, not so good thing. But, you know, <laughs> we do what we can. Um, like I said, my name is Emma G. Thank you so much for being here. Um, if you are interested in working with Faye, please go to faycoxcoaching.co.uk uh, because she is in the UK. Um, I'm here in Washington, D.C. My name is Emma G. I am a youth empowerment through songwriting coach, helping your teenagers navigate their life, communication, and connection tools through the art of songwriting and music. Until next week, friends, be kind, be well, stay out of trouble, spread love like it's going out of fashion, and um, remember to leave with love. Remember that you are love, and everything you could possibly need lives within you. Until next time, guys, peace. <laughs>